Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Culture Vacuum Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Poulet, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Calvin. Hey there, guys. Uh, today, you're going to be listening to the ASMR uh, smooth tunes and, and crackles of Calvin as I quietly uh, sedate you into a, into a state of fantasy and annihilation. Yeah. Uh, so today, uh, it's another Tech Talk episode. We're going to break down WWDC, Apple's big developer conference. Uh, there was no hardware. There was a lot of rumors that we were going to get some hardware launches, but even without hardware, there was a lot of really cool stuff in this. Yeah. That we're it was like, pack. what was it, like two hours long? And it was all software, basically. I guess uh, let's just jump right into uh, the announcements and start with iOS, which is, you know, their flagship platform. It's... The rumors going into it was that this is going to be a stability year, uh, basically, where they don't really focus on that many new features, and it's more just about polishing the experience, cracking down on bugs, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but even though it still was like there weren't a, as many new features as we've had in years past, the features that we did get were very significant. Yeah, there was a, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure at this point people have probably already seen like the MKBHD videos and all the other YouTube's kind of, uh, YouTube stars kind of breaking down what actually was spoken about. But one, one thing I really took away from this was not necessarily, um, and, and I'm just going to jump right into the whole, uh, conversation about people saying they're kind of stripping Android, uh, like M and, and even before features, uh, that have been in Android for a while. Um, in, in kind of reference to that, I would say Apple was able to deliver a lot of Android features like, uh, picture in picture, uh, like the smaller notifications in a way that almost, in my opinion, makes it worth waiting for because of just how flawlessly these, these synchronize with Apple system. I, I think that, that my takeaway from this was that when Apple expands, it needs to be supported by both the, hardware uh, by the firmware by every chip inside you know that, that they manufacture everything has to kind of work in in this in this synchronicity where nothing's like lagging and nothing's slowing down so i mean yeah that that's kind of my take on on that conversation yeah yeah i'm right there with you like yes a lot of the features we're going to talk about today were stripped directly from android but on the other hand to that i say yes they ripped off android but would you rather iphone customers not get those features like, do you, do you like win if they suffer and don't have those good features? Do you win if they buy your phone from your preferred multi-trillion dollar conglomerate? Is that how this works? It's also kind of like really hypocritical because Apple has created uh, certain normalities. I mean, there's face ID, there's touch ID. Uh, they really pioneered those in the beginning and those were directly taken into the security features of many Android phones. So, you know, These you are very... <laughs> These are very mature platforms, and they're at the point where they're so mature that they're just, they've been borrowing features from each other. There's years where Android took features directly from the iPhone. Um, it's, it's just the way that it is, and I honestly don't care because it makes everyone's phones better. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, yeah, I kind of just have, I was just looking here at the list of, of some of the iOS updates, and, and yeah, I mean, one thing that really shocked me was this was Translate app with mm -hmm. 11 base languages. For the longest time uh, in, in my head in terms of like, think, it's even like, for me, it's like when you think of video online, it's YouTube. When you think of a search online, it's Google. When I thought of translation in an application, even if in, if it's an iPhone, it always felt like you, you just wanted to download Google Translate because like what else was there? It almost felt like there was no need to have an alternative, but it seems like they're going to delve into that realm. And I, I feel like that's a, that's a place that's just not even really explored that often in tech because Google had such a, uh, for lack of a better word, monopoly on. Yeah, Google's been doing Translate for so long. I don't know. Maybe Apple bought some company we hadn't heard about, but like, I am doubtful of how good this Translate app is going to be, but Siri as a whole, they announced a lot of improvements for. Like, They moved a lot of the language model natively onto the phone, which is what Google did last year with, for the Pixel 4. Hearing that was just like, God, that, and, and we'll get into it later in this conversation, but this was an incredibly impressive event. If you have been buying Pixel phones for the last two years, I, I think, personally. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so they moved the language model of Siri, a bunch of it, onto the phone. You can download entire language packs. So I believe you'll be able to download most of the languages in that, in that Translate app natively so that all the processing can be done by your A13 chip or whatever, mm -hmm. which is very, 
very cool to see it. I'm very interested to try it out, but I, you know, Google's been doing this for so long and Google Translate still is notoriously kind of like, it's sort of like blunt in how it does translation. It looks like, like it, it feels like a beta on all levels, which is ridiculous because it's been final form for like eight years or however long. Yeah. The, so the Verge did a video about Google's Pixel Buds, the first gen ones that Oof. like translation was their big feature and uh, nothing else. It's and, the babblefish. <laughs> yeah. They took a bunch of, uh, they had a bunch of Verge staffers who spoke other languages communicate using the pixel buds and there was like i understood what you're saying but mm-hmm. you come off kind of like rude if that makes any sense like you come off like kind of yeah like <laughs> kind of blunt you don't have a lot of like the uh those cultural idioms no that, nuance yeah there's yeah there's no like nuance there's no like slang to it it's just very it's very direct and i want to I, I do want to hold on to that because that's that to me and hopefully we can build this as we talk about is is so apple they i think while google was doing this translate stuff while google was doing the uh picture in picture stuff and all this stuff it was it was always noticed but it what wasn't taken into account was that weird brief flash when you're you know holding a samsung galaxy and you and you flip on you know you press the home button and then all of a sudden your picture in picture like lags your entire display it flashes white and then it slowly scales down to the corner but even within there it's stuttering and looking bullshit so it's like yes it functions but it doesn't feel natural it doesn't feel like you're saying new one it i i think what apple was trying to build with their translate app with their insistence on native processing which we we didn't really explain but it, uh, to to quickly explain the why that's so it, cool is essentially a lot of this uh processing power that needs to happen for things like google translate for things like google assistant um for things like even mapping uh navigation this requires a lot of uh, server processing power and a lot of energy and a lot of times signals are sent to and from uh, these company-owned servers. So, you know, Apple, your Google, they have their data centers and they're processing um, these calls. Uh, with the native onboard processing, basically what you're allowing the actual phone to do is send calls to itself, to local host. That means a lot less time and a lot less lag for things like navigation. You know, I want to go home. You can get directions, presumably instantly, for maps that you've, you know, saved in local cache. Or That's, they actually, you know, they haven't done that yet. Google Maps lets you download an area, and then you have to update that map every mm-hmm. 30 days, I believe, for, like, up-to-date information. App, they didn't, Apple didn't confirm that yet. That's still not a thing you can do. Uh, that's, what that's Apple Maps like a, that'd be is, great if they could. <laughs> yeah, what Apple Maps needs is you have a little, and Google Maps does the same thing. You have a little bit of data to start your navigation, and then once the, your route starts, it's all loaded, and then you're on GPS, and you don't need cellular, so you can you can drive through dead zones, no issue, as long as you start with some kind of internet. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so that that's not great. Yeah. Well, let's say Siri, for example, Siri, for example, then. Or like you're saying, this native translate app, presumably we will be able to have more nuance. The two more obvious, well, we don't, the nuance depends how they construct the language model yeah. uh, for every language. And that's just kind of, we have to wait till it comes out. And then actual people who speak Spanish, Japanese, <laughs> Mandarin, whatever, actually say how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more obvious thing is like downloading the language model natively to the phone is going to allow dictation to be instantaneous, which that's oh. really good. That's good. Yeah. So you'll be able to dict you'll be able to dictate better. Um, and you'll be able to just, your Siri requests will be a little bit faster because my guess is instead of sending an audio, if you're in like a weak data zone, instead of sending an audio file to the cloud to be transcribed, it's sending a text file to the cloud to, uh, get the request back. So there's a little bit less, so they can send a more compressed packet because they're sending, te- they could be sending text instead of voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing they did is Siri, they ripped off uh, Google Assistant w- almost exactly. Like the way <laughs> if uh, Google Assistant works is four little dots appear at the bottom of your screen. It, you ask the question and then a little card pops up at the top and it doesn't interrupt the interface behind that information. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Siri looks like now on the iPhone. Again, yes, they ripped it off, but also I'm glad they have it. Although um, I, I believe MKBHD did confirm uh, when when it does pop up that little Siri bubble, it does also pop up a fucking like invisible wall. 
over your yeah. entire interface. Yeah, you can't like you can't like keep scrolling with Siri on the screen. If you tap the screen, then your your answer. Maybe things will change uh, once it's finally released because he's of course using the developer beta or whatever it is. Um, but yeah. as of now, it seems like it's still interrupting <laughs> technically your ability to yeah. manipulate data. Uh, and then the, the another compact thing. So on iPhones, it's the worst goddamn thing in the world because we live in the age of spam callers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you get a call on a phone on your iPhone, the entire screen is taken over. You can mute the call, uh, but if you don't know, when you get a spam call, you're not supposed to even hang up. You're supposed to let it ring all the way through, uh, so that they think your line is dead. Um, oh, but, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. If you hang up, then they know someone's on the other end and they'll keep calling those fucks yeah so if you on the iphone you would just hit the sleep button to mute the call you let it ring through but you couldn't do anything else on your phone now you can just swipe it a call pops up as a notification that you can swipe away and then you can keep using your phone and it'll ring through in the background so happy to have this again android's had it forever uh but now the iphone has it too that is one that i don't i i really for the life of me can't even understand why they took so long (laughs) for something like that one should have been like 10 years ago it's even worse on the ipad like the ipad is massive and just oh i'm doing my drawing oh wow the canvas this entire canvas and then you get like two tiny like little buttons like two or three buttons at the bottom and then like one name at the top and then just like in the middle just blurry bullshit (laughs) you can't see any yeah, that was so bad. But now, now it is fixed. Um, but the big things that they took from Android was one, widgets on the home screen, and two, the app library, which the oh way... Oh my god, when I saw them, <laughs> yeah, when they showed the app library, I, I literally like put my fist to my mouth and just went, fuck! <laughs> yeah, so the, the way the app library on Android works is uh, you can have a certain number of home screens but you don't need to have all of your apps out there. You can swipe up and then you get an alphabetical list of all of your apps. And people really like that because uh, it allows you to have not only less home screens, but also more compact and visually pleasing home screens. Yeah, and it really helps for things like personalization. Um, so, for instance, if you want to put like you, you can use Google's internal uh, weather to do app like widget that goes up top and it gives you like a calendar and then maybe like a small information about the weather. Or if you want, you can download a separate weather application, which has like a whole widget where you can have like the five day forecast, highs and lows, precipitation percentages or whatever a developer happens to buy. But essentially, it really does help for personalization. What Apple's doing is they are having that alphabetical list, but they're also having these algorithmically sorted files some of them will be prediction based where it's like these are the apps we think you want to use next some of them will be your most recently added apps and the others will be uh, organized by category the problem with the categories right now is they use app store tags it looks like to sort it so Eero, which is a, a Wi-Fi router, I have it. Eero is currently sorted in the lifestyle category, not the <laughs> utilities category. I'm sorry. <laughs> is Wi-Fi a lifestyle? <laughs> um, TikTok uh, is not uh, is not organized as a social media app. I know this because I've gone through the iPhone's t- uh, screen time features. TikTok is organized as a productivity app. Oh. <laughs> literally that's okay so so my 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 following question is then who decides what tags appear on these is it the app developer the developer the fuck <laughs> yeah they because it's because they because the the tags are just so they can decide what category they want to be in the app store uh but for for me the end user i don't care what your app store category is i have my idea of what your app is so mm-hmm. i hope that they let you resort what those what those categories are but the algorithmic one i'm sure is fine um the yeah. recently added one is pretty obvious but i think most people are probably going to use the alphabetical list i think if more the categories are sorted incorrectly think more likely than not like yeah i can't imagine they're just gonna let that lie like especially for something like they i I don't see them releasing ios 14 and then in the every like zoomers app category like you know app library is their tiktok in like fucking productivity folder with with all the other i think most zoomers are gonna have tiktok on the home screen so (laughs) very true very true. They're gonna have a widget for it. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah, widgets. That was the big one. So I don't know how I feel about this because yes, again, 
widgets have been on Android forever, but also like from what I understand, widgets have, are kind of they're not really that well supported on Android. Like nope. Google doesn't like when Google does IO to announce the next version of Android, they're like, "Oh my god, look what we've done to widgets this time." Like they don't really like update them that much. They're still some of them are basically like tiny web browsers and how they work. Yeah, so widgets like, have been like at, at least in my use of them, like even from back when I got my very first Android phone, which was like the HTCMA's, like in like in the late twenty, the early twenty tens or whatever. It just since then they haven't changed in form. You tap them, they open the related app, and then you have maybe buttons on the actual widget which allow you to do small things like uh, control your media center. So maybe you can fast forward, rewind, and pause uh, relevant media for podcasts or, or music. Or you can like if you have like a, a news uh, page or a a weather page, kind of flip pages. Right, go to the next week, go to the next article. Um, I just without much in in terms of evolution i almost see now why they're adding widgets uh just because they already seem to be doing more than android is uh did you see their their smart stack yeah the smart stack so i don't know how useful the smart stack is going to be because right as far as i can tell the widgets aren't interactive yet no so for me like an idea of a really cool smart stack is if they let every audio player create mini players and then i could put apple music my podcast app and audible all on the same stack and then i can swipe through it and then there's an interactive play button that i can press without actually opening the app oh my god i just got wet yeah right (laughs) now you can't do that on the current widgets and i don't think you can do that on future widgets like the developer for overcast said like since that widget's not really interactive i'm not really going to develop for it so we'll see what i do uh but so there there is potential maybe that's like ios 15 is is a lot yeah. i have a feeling their thing with widgets has been so slow moving i mean they first they they had that that weird portion to the side that they made i don't even know what it's called um because they don't yeah, have it's, an iOS. it's it's called the today view uh and it's terrible and <laughs> it's it, it always like kicks the information to the wrong place i, Dude, I don't like that it. was a fucking clone of google now and then they they made it and then google got rid of google now <laughs> It was so fucking useful, like useless. <laughs> yeah, and like the the date and the time take up too much space. Where it's like the date and the time are on the home screen, then you swipe over, and they're still there. It's like I don't need this anymore. Give me <laughs> so, more space. So, anyways, with that, that's when they kind of first incorporated uh, having the widgets, and then now they're putting the widgets out on like the home screens, and it's like I. They look better. I they, will say they they look better than Androids. I like the smart stack. If if they were to even add just the ability for media controls, that's it, right? Let me play, pause, rewind. If they made widgets fully interactive parts of the screen that you could, t- like, let's say it's like a photos or whatever, like the, yeah. the small Apple Music widget is just a play button with your album art, but the big one is your cover, is uh, all your album covers, and you can swipe through it. If they could make it where you could do that without actually interrupting or without actually opening the app, that would be amazing. Yeah. I think that's going to be a 15 or 16 feature. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I think once developers create widgets, the ne- the first thing they're going to ask for is let me make these interactive uh, widgets too. Because right now it's just like they refresh for new information, but you can't actually interact with them. If you touch a widget, it opens the app that it's linked to. Yeah. And I, I will say, and in terms of Apple's, in terms of how they kind of create technology, I, I kind of do approve. Just because I would, I, I've been in the Android, you know, space where everything's kind of free game and people are developing right and left without like much concern for how things connect. And it's, yeah, I, I'd rather have less than more at this point. I, I, I think yeah. they're hopefully going to move there. But one thing, one thing I, I think is extremely, extremely interesting, um, was their app clips. Do you remember that one? Yeah. So this has been a feature that Android's had for a while, but it's again like. Like with all Google features, Google creates it and then no one jumps on it because yeah. in the United States, Samsung drives Android feature development, not Google, as much as Google would hate to, as much as Google doesn't want to admit it, it's the truth. That's so um, fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, so Samsung, if Samsung supported app clips, maybe it would happen. But like the, the idea is that you can have these NFC tags around and then with an Apple logo or something, or you can scan it and then the iPhone downloads, they say they can't be any bigger than 10 megabytes. So smart. Um, so smart. You could, you could yeah. probably like, I, I wonder, 
I wonder if you could fucking like shoot that over with a quick a quick Bluetooth like fart or some shit. You know what I mean? It depends if they have NFC data, but like NFC is not that fast. No, but it's only right. ten megs. Yeah, so you could you have so you you scan it. Let's say you go to the coffee shop, the, the class example. You go to Starbucks, but you don't want to download the Starbucks app. You can download the Starbucks app clip, and then it will download the bare bones of the Starbucks app to your phone. So just so you can use Apple Pay to get your points or whatever. Yeah, and presumably um, Apple, it, it, like this is. This is so cool because then all those those fast food restaurants that you pop into pop out of maybe somewhat consistently, but you don't want the application on your phone. You can keep up with all those rewards. Presumably, when you're walking in, you're like, boom, scan. Yeah. You know, you're 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 getting the payment done with the scan. You're getting to the actual application with the scan. You're getting the payment done with Apple Pay. You're logging into the account with your Apple account, and all these things are encrypted on your phone. And it's just, uh, oh, I I want yeah, this. They also say they're working with Yelp uh, to design the, to design app clips for small restaurants. So if you're a small restaurant, you can just ask Yelp to make you an app clip, and then they will send you the necessary QR codes and whatever. Dude. And then, so that way, small. I don't know how much Yelp's going to charge for this, but yeah. it is nice that they're doing it. This is this is setting up for the, this is hyping me for the iPhone 12 so much because because all of this of course needs the infrastructure but they also have plans in place to build said infrastructure and then like you're saying with this with this 10 megabyte limit they they clearly are thinking about how do we get this working and set up quickly and easily I love it the the other one is like parking meters instead of like if you like if you're you park somewhere it says download the parking app and you're like fuck you I don't want to download an app you don't need to download an app anymore if all these parking meter companies actually you know get in line they can just <laughs> add an app clip you can use apple pay to pay for your parking and you're done you don't have to download a stupid app and create an account for it and this even opens doors to I, I like when you mentioned the Yelp uh, allowing smaller businesses to create you know, little app clips. When we're talking about smaller businesses, these are businesses oftentimes that don't want to have maybe like a dedicated developer team or can't even afford to. With app clips, you can maybe get a contractor on for a month to get, you know, the necessary app parts of your business and the things that you actually want on said clip and then boom you're up and running that you can you can distribute these qr codes on fucking stickers like all over you know the nation presumably if you have i don't even think it's i don't even think they need to hire a developer i think it's i think it's just yelp is making a tool that any restaurant can build an app clip no, but I'm talking like other businesses too. I, I don't think we should we should even limit this. I think it's I think it's an amazing idea to, for any business, presumably, to have a small, lightweight, easy. Well, to... all businesses are on Yelp, though. That's what I'm saying. Like what? Like like even? All... Yeah, like there are like shops. It's not just restaurants, but like shops can also do it. There you go. Like, <laughs> yeah, anything big, then yeah, you can hire a developer. But yeah, I'm curious though, like if they're because like. It looks like the the Yelp based app clips are going to use the Yelp backend. Uh, I'm curious if Apple's going to allow it where you can make an app clip without ever having a mother app, quote unquote. You know, like see that's what I'm wondering because then that's even a different type of application entirely. Yeah, you create this 10 megabyte file that, that's just an interface for checking out at your store or whatever, and you never have to create a big app for it to link to. But my guess is the the reason. That, the fact that they're working with Yelp means that Yelp is basically saying, okay, everyone can use our backend as, and we'll be the quote-unquote mother app, and we'll just make custom app clips for everyone else, which is cool, but I think it's just like an app store infrastructure thing. It's like, you can't have an app clip without a mother app. I wish they would detach that. Like I'm like I, now, just thinking about that. That's that's something that even presumably, if you if you're on your own and you don't even really know how to code, well, you might not know how to code an application. But how long does it take to teach yourself to code an app clip? Maybe that's easier yeah, well, to set it, up. I mean, hell, Apple could make a tool that's just that's completely interface based. Like they can make the Squarespace for app clips, where it's like here here's where your artwork goes, here's where the checkout goes, and you're done. Yeah, and then boom, but, you're on the app store. If they if yeah, they would disconnect it, I wish they would. I think appless clips would be a thing that would show up if they if they take off. If they don't take off, then they're not going to develop for it. Yeah. Um, unless they're really dedicated to this idea, because what they really want to do is they want to get Apple Pay uh, to more customers, because Apple makes one percent commission on every Apple Pay transaction. God damn. 
Yeah. So if they can get <laughs> Apple Pay to as many people as possible, then that's the end goal here. Smartest uh, fucking they, company on the planet. <laughs> and they make even more money if you use Apple Pay with Apple Card. So <laughs> if, uh, yeah, so that, yeah, that's their end game here is uh, they want to, you know, even if it doesn't take off in the first year, they do have some incentive to develop for it. But if it never takes off, they'll just abandon the project. Um, the thing I want to talk about as like a, a super tech fan who like loves home theater stuff, uh, mm. AirPods got this massive update. AirPods Pros are look and AirPods are looking good. Yeah, it's only two features, but they're both. So the first one for all AirPods, um, you'll get auto switching. So you're you connect to your phone for a walk, um, and then you this you shower, you go to the cafe. Um, what I have to do is in that situation is I have to manually swipe down on my iPad, open AirPlay settings, and then select my AirPods to pair for them once they're out of the case. With this, I no longer have to do that. I, in theory, my phone, the AirPods are still paired to my phone when I go to the coffee shop, and then I bring out my iPad when I get to the coffee shop, start playing a movie or something, and then it'll automatically d- does the switch over, which is great. And then, of course, when I get my phone ready for my walk the next day, start playing a podcast, does the switch over again. Mm-hmm. And this speaks exactly to what they've been doing for years, which is building their environment, and then especially now really taking advantage of those, I think, are they called W1 chips or W2 chips? H- they're that- now H1 is the uh, the new chip, yeah. W1 was W1 was for the Apple Watch only and then the first gen AirPods but then when they updated all the AirPods they're like no headphones use the H series and then watches use the W series essentially the, the small scale part of it is this app switch feature which if it ends up being as seamless as you're talking about again speaks to the nuance they're attempting to create where all of their products just like fucking work yeah. when you use them I'm all for it and to be clear, the auto switch was not a the the manual switching wasn't a problem because AirPods pair so fast. Like it's literally just it's like upper right hand corner, the music player is always fixed there. Tap that AirPlay logo, and then my AirPods are right. Like and it switches over in a second. But one of the original features of the H1 and the W1 to an extent chips was the ability to kind of pair to your account and then have ease of pairing with your devices. So they're they're just improving on that. Yeah, every device had it, but. All you, but yeah, every device was paired to your AirPods, but you still had to click on or tap on the name of the device if you actually wanted to listen to it, which was not a huge problem. But the fact that they can do that automatically now means it's even yep. less of a problem. But the big one uh, is AirPods Pro. I don't know how they're doing this, and no interviewer has seemed to like take enough interest in the feature when they talked to like Craig Federighi. This blew my mind. I had to pause. Yeah, they they are doing. The AirPods Pro can now simulate spatial audio, uh, and currently that means that they are supporting 5.1 audio channels, 7.1 audio, which I don't even know if any mobile app even encodes 7.1. Like, most of the time it's like 5.1. 1, 5.1, 7.1, and Atmos. That last one was like, what? And Sony's coming out with their new 3D audio platform soon, so we assume that they're going to support 3D audio too. Um, but the, just AirPods Pro, like when I first got mine, like mine are starting to like, so it turns out when you drop AirPods Pro, the noise canceling gets worse, like (laughs) noticeably worse. (laughs) I'm taking mine to the Apple store literally tomorrow. So that to see if just like, I have two replacement, I have two free replacements and so I have Apple care on them. But if, you know, if they don't notice that I drop them, I'll get free replacements without counting towards one mm-hmm. of my gimmies. So that'll be fingers crossed on that. Anyway, um, when AirPods Pro do work, though, you put them in and like you can't believe these tiny little things are creating this incredible noise canceling effect. And then they obviously sound great, but I don't I'm I'm so curious to try out listening to because I, I have a bunch of 4K movies that I have mm-hmm. that have Dolby Atmos um, soundtracks or sound mixes. I am so curious to see how this turns out. Like Blade Runner 2049, that first effect where the the spinner flies over your head in a great sat- Atmos system. That's mm-hmm. a, amazing. I am so curious to see how well they replicate this Another, using AirPods. Yeah, like, it, it, it's 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 kind of insane that they're... So this this was something that I was kind of noticing with the Galaxy Buds Plus was these ever-present like updates that you kind of receive that would improve 
the initial product in small ways, which is something that we've been used to in cell phones, but now, or I guess I should say smartphones, but now we're, we're getting a lot more used to in even smaller products like, you know, watches and headphones. One, another thing that I kind of just blew my mind with, uh, the, the, uh, Apple AirPod Pros was the update in conjunction with the chip within like an iPad Pro where it would actually hold the spatial position of your display or iPad Pro in 3D space yeah. as you would like turn your head yeah, and like they're... move the iPad that like all these small little things just make you feel more like you are in an enclosed theater while just sitting in you know presumably like a fucking airplane that's crazy yeah they're using the accelerometers in both the uh, the AirPods and the iPad to make sure that the channels stay in the right place so the location of the iPad will be the center channel and then if your head moves they can use the accelerometers and the AirPods to make sure that the channels all stay in place as your head turns like it's some crazy yeah, shit they're doing very impressive very apple and, i'm i'm excited yeah. and like even if the AirPods Pro it sounds like okay not great it, apple is coming out with over ear headphones at some point this year we we think according to rumors and I am sure that it's going to be if if, like, if it sounds good on the AirPods Pro, I'm sure it's going to sound mind blowing when they have your entire ear yeah. encompassed with the and also mask because like they'll be going from tiny drivers in the AirPods Pro to really big actual headphones. And those are drivers. getting presumably those are going to fucking get Atmos and Fivebot One and all that shit. They'll they'll definitely be compatible. Yeah, yeah, because I think they I think they need noise canceling to do it because they need to like be able to they need something in they need technology and processors in the headphones that are already tricking your brain because they're currently tricking your brain into thinking it isn't mm -hmm. hearing anything um now they're tricking your brain into thinking that sound is coming from above <laughs> you and behind you when the only inputs are fucking in left and right ears, <laughs> and they're just yeah they're pointing sound directly into your ears and somehow they're going to trick you that sound is completely yep. around you so my takeaway when 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 the iOS portion of this ended and I did watch this uh live um it just I I've been on Android for let's see probably since the OnePlus 3 and then I got the OnePlus mm -hmm. 5T and then I got the LG G6 and then I got the Pixel 3 and now I'm on the Samsung Galaxy S10e and all throughout it kind of just like looking into mobile features and 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 what like the next big thing is hardware wise and it just apple always was just lagging a little bit behind in my head in terms of like innovation in terms of what the the actual smartphone allowed me to do but after this ios 14 thing it really feels that they have just like tied a bow on some beautiful mobile operating system that i cannot wait to get my hands on when the iphone 12 debuts and I am definitely buying that with AirPod Pros and just like gonna put a fucking loan out to to purchase them both. I, no, the I'm gonna I'm gonna get the iPhone 12 Pro for sure. You need, you need Apple Watch too? No, fuck no. <laughs> no, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, I I am I'm interested to see how it turns out. Like yeah, like I've always said like Android and iOS like there were feature differences between the two, but mostly it was just what do you prefer what and it can't, that really came down to aesthetic choices android fans get very mad mm -hmm. when you say that but especially now the only reason to pick android over ios is if you just prefer how android looks and feels which is fine and it's the same reason with choosing ios over android in terms of features they're basically uh, like i can't think of a big feature android has that I apple doesn't the big so one is like you you have like the the Google backend, yeah. which is certainly significant, but to me, that's not really. I would say a to a greater, to a greater extent, Google Assistant is is far superior and has been just fucking amazing. I, it, it's like the most. It understands nearly all my requests. It processes good information, and this, to a certain extent, extends to, like you were saying, the greater Google connection as a whole. But like, even if at this point I had to give up that, it's. Yeah, Google Assistant in no way is worth keeping on this, like, shaky, like, fucking Wild West development style where things are just, like, innovated on and then left to, to fucking rot and, like, cause problems with other portions of the software. It just, it, 
the the advantage of being able to build the hardware and then build the software and then sell it all directly to the consumer and then directly support on all ends of it it just i that allure i'm now i'm now seeing the value of in a way i don't think i i saw before um i think android had mm-hmm. a time where that wild west style and development and innovation was very cool but now not having like or, or feeling like it's almost directionless and feeling like every update is just kind of you know trying to wrangle in this fucking performance hog of a operating system yeah i don't know <laughs> i'm just not with it <laughs> can't wait to have you on the dark I can't side wait. i can't wait to go there i heard they have cookies yeah <laughs> so we have a uh, there's also ipad os which like the updates were kind of minor and as an ipad user i was kind of disappointed because with iOS, iPad OS 13, they had cur- they added cursor support towards the end, which is game changing. I love using my iPad with the cursor, and my hope for 14 was they were going to redo the iPad the iPad UI even more, taking into account that now a lot of customers do have cursors. Uh, but really, it was just like really minor. They had the same widgets and stuff like that, but overall, not really as big of a jump as the yeah. iPhone is getting, uh, UI wise. Uh, so just want to skip ahead to watch OS before we get into Macs. Um, watch OS, they added sleep tracking. Finally. I, I thought they had that. Like for some reason, I just presumed they had that from the beginning. You can get third party apps on your watch that will have access to the heart rate monitor. I've used them. Yeah. They're not very good. Uh, this is fully supported full stack power management that was the big issue was uh, the sleep tracking on the watch like it couldn't do power management that well so it just sap power at night yeah so with the with the watch they're saying if you go to bed with at least 30 percent charge in your apple watch they'll be able to track you throughout the night and tell you how well you slept uh then they turn the screen off so it doesn't accidentally turn on in the middle of the night Uh, a lot of great features like that and I, I'm very excited to try it out. Um, I like having native sleep tracking support. Overall, they're like winding your entire phone down at night, basically. Like at a certain time, it is said time to go to bed, and then your phone dims. They set everything to do not disturb, trying to encourage you to to go to bed. So you know, I'll <laughs> they be like Morgana setting... from uh, Persona Five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be setting mine to uh, eleven o'clock and just uh, going from there. But. Yeah, I'm yeah, not so... going to enable that feature. Fuck Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, sleep tracking, very excited for that. Uh, they also added hand washing instruction. That one was Where... very funny. That's going to trigger a lot of fucking boomers. I, I can just, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, your watch will now neg you if you didn't wash your hands uh, properly. It is a infringement of my American freedom to not be able to wash my hands for less than 20 seconds. And uh, I, I, I will not stand for this communist uh, arguments. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they also uh, added they improved the motion tracking so that the fitness app can track more exercises, including dancing. So you know, for all those Zumba moms out there, and then she showed great. off. She strutted her stuff live on a camera, and I was I was all for it. She was like, "You can yeah. dance like this," and then <laughs> like she started doing and this fucking eighties is- bop. Developers can now create multiple types of complications. So, like, you have a you have an app on your watch, and then it says, "This is the app for your hiking app. This is the complication on your watch face for your hiking app. You only get one. Have fun with it." Now, developers can create multiple types. So, I don't know if there's a limit, but you know, you can have three different types of complications for your hiking app, depending on what kind of complications you want. Uh, different ones for weather apps, etc. And if you're an uh, Apple and... Watch owner, you you understand what Sam meant when he said you can have some complications. Complications are a real watch term. What? Yeah. You know how, like, on watches, they'll have, like, uh, tell you how high you are in altimeter? That's called a complication. Holy shit. No, I never... A complication is anything on a watch that doesn't... that tells you something other than the time. When they said that in... In, like, live on, on camera, I straight up thought that that was just another... You know how they'll say terms like the, the wiggle interface and, like, you know, the, the jiggle meter and all that other shit? Like, I was just like, this is just another bullshit Apple term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like my Apple Watch a lot. It's it's terrific. Can't, very satisfied. I have a Series 4, and I'm very... They have a lot of, like, really, like... They're not, like, huge updates, but they are, like, significant enough updates that 
bring a lot of functionality to the Series 3, 4, and 5, and they're able to do basically all of it with software in the existing hardware. Um, there hasn't really been a huge shift in the Apple Watch hardware. They mm-hmm. added the ECG monitoring to the Series 4, which was cool, but um, overall the sensors have basically stayed the same, so it's all just like how powerful the processor is. Uh, so I'm curious to see what the Series 6 is when that launches with the iPhone 12, uh, if they'll add any new hardware sensors or uh, if they'll just improve the battery life and call it a day because the, the jump from 4 to 5 wasn't really that significant. The issue with the Series 5 is it has that always on screen, which is a huge battery drain. Mm-hmm. So if the Series 6 can just be a bigger battery so the always on display works better and one other hardware-based feature, I think that would be a pretty good update. So I don't if... know if I'm going to update my watch this year because I, I don't have any issues with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but depending on what the Series 6 looks like, we'll see. If Apple really wants to just steal all my money at the end of the year, which Apple, if you're listening, you can have all of my money. And that's if you release uh, an Apple Watch with battery life uh, e- equating a week. And I, I know you won't do it, um, which is why I feel comfortable making this threat. But if you really want to rob me of everything, make an Apple Watch that that lasts a week, and then you can you can just have it all. I'll, I'll buy your watch. I'll buy your phone. What what else was I buying? It lasts pros? about a day and a half. Yeah, so that's why I feel comfortable. <laughs> like right now, yeah, I've like- been using the the Fitbit Versa two for like the past mm-hmm. six months or so, and that battery lasts for around a week, and it's just like it does all the small things I need it to and notifies me of any notifications I receive. If the Apple Watch yeah. can make even like a light version or something that lasts a week and mm-hmm. just sends you notifications, I'll fucking do it. Yeah. For right now, the watch, uh, it adds... So it, it lasts about a day and a half, two days, but it charges really fast, so with the with the sleep tracking you go to bed with 50% battery you wake up at 42% and then you just slap it on the charger and then in 30 minutes it's going to be fully charged okay. so the right. fast charging definitely helps i see that i i do i i'm someone who just doesn't take off <clears throat> my watch so i think that's that's the thing i would need to get over is the fact that i only take off my watch on sunday when i charge it <laughs> yeah and then uh, lastly, let's talk about Mac OS, which was the big boy update. Do you uh, mean um, iPad OS Big Sur? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they redid the way the the Mac looks in general, uh, just the visual style. They updated all the icons. Uh, but in terms of features, not a huge. Like, it gets the same widgets. They redid the control bar, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. But the big the biggest change is just the visual look of it. It looks more like an iOS device than ever before. This is also technically version 11. And we've been on version yeah. 10 for, God, I don't even know how long. Since Mountain Lion? More than 20 years. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't, it does not feel like a version update. <laughs> like OS 10 was what basically what Steve Jobs did when he overhauled the entire platform because Mac OS updates were fairly common. Um, it was so OS nine, OS eight and all that. Uh, and then when jobs left OS nine, wasn't really doing that well. And then, so when he came back, his whole thing was, he completely redesigned it with, I believe the iMac, the, the see-through iMac. Mm -hmm. Correct. So I might be wrong, but I believe that was the first OS 10 device. And it was a complete overhaul of the entire operating system and everything has been, and for basically 16 years that has been the uh that has been the mac yeah i would argue it was one of the at least when it debuted like in comparison to windows it just it it did things in a linux way but like an expensive linux way (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) just everything everything was accessible but at the same time a lot of paths were closed off to allow for a very easy to use interface for just about anyone you didn't need to like install a driver or or make sure that you had the right permissions or whatever. You just kind of started doing things on your computer. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I like the way I just overall I like uh, the strategy with what they're doing with macOS because the other thing that we're going to talk about, which is going to take a lot more time, I don't know if I like the look of the operating system. I'm sure I will get used to it, but I think they're going to uh, make minor changes to the yeah. look between what they released and what they're going to finally release it it, yeah. it essentially looks like a clone of ipad os to me and even to a point some of the interface like buttons are now like fucking yeah. huge ass bubbles and stuff that would make more sense for a finger than uh, a pointer but 
That's just my opinion. Yeah, the new features that they did announce are like, you know, they made Safari better, obviously. Uh, Safari's like looking good. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then overall, it's like the UI they tweak. So, like, there's all these, like, sidebars everywhere now with a lot more options in them. So, I'm curious to see. Like, I don't have a lot of third-party apps on my Mac. It's mostly all first-party stuff. Uh, so, I, I am curious to see what, what all the big changes were. They didn't really t- touch on it too much, though. Yeah. Uh, but what they did touch on, because the big one... Part of the reason that I believe that they are shifting macOS over to this new iOS-like style is that we knew this was happening, but they announced it. Uh, they are starting the transition to ARM-based processors mm-hmm. uh, for the Mac. And they're starting to produce their own silicon. Yeah. So, yeah, we knew this was coming. Uh, the, the rumor was, like, last year when the iPad, uh, the 2018 iPad Pro came out, uh, Apple started testing the processor in that, the A12X. Uh, they started running a version of macOS off of the A12X and the iPad Pro, mm-hmm. and they were very impressed by the results because they took the same chip, but they put a fan on it, we assume, more <laughs> RAM and stuff like that, and it was able to run macOS very well. So they were like, okay, we think we can do the shift now. Mm-hmm. They kept developing on that for a while, and then so the rumor is that the first Mac is going to come out at the end of this year, so Apple usually has Mac events in October. So October, November, we're going to get the first ARM Mac. It will be based on an A14 processor. So the iPhone will get the A14. If there's another iPad Pro, that will be the A14X. The Mac processor could be A14, and then they have another modifier to that, so A14 Omega or they could say, well, this is a Mac chip, and we'll call it the Mac 14 chip. And Ooh. then <laughs> and then they can, and that way they can add modifiers to that. So it's like MacBook Airs get Mac, get Mac 14, MacBook Pros get Mac 14X, and mm-hmm. then the iMacs and the uh, Mac Pros and all that get Mac 14 Pro processors. So yeah, we don't know how they're going to brand them yet, but some... I I could see them going both ways. I could see them just adding more modifiers onto the A-series because people are familiar with that. Mm-hmm. But if they want to say, this is the same architecture as the A-series, but it's a bigger processor because, like, the way chips work is, like, you make your cores the same way, if that makes any sense, but the device determines how many cores you can put in, so the iPhone and the iPad are different sized devices. And because the iPad is a bigger surface area to disperse heat across, the iPad pro chip is physically larger and has more cores than the iPhone chip because it can disperse more heat Yeah. Uh, with a fan because of how efficient these chips are. Now that they have a fan in these MacBooks and iMacs and all that. They will be able to make the chips even bigger, run them even faster and they'll be, and they'll be they're expecting they get this crazy level of performance because <clears throat> just by adding basically active cooling to an arm processor yeah and then past that they're also able to have a hand in the building of everything from the ground up like they no longer have to take in whatever intel provides them in terms of the cpu and just work around those limitations they can now just say okay we want the software to directly inform inform the development and the production of that silicon i'm they kind of showed off their ability to to process apps a little bit faster during the demo i don't think anything really stood out to me as like oh wow this is the power of like the the new silicon processor but i i have a feeling apple has been unwilling to update their chips on a update their laptops on a certain cadence because they what they liked to do in the past was they wanted basically the entire Mac line to be on the same generation. So mm-hmm. all I've, all Macs using Intel 8th generation chips. Uh, but Intel, just they're so bad at making products in time <laughs> that their offering was really skewed. So it's like, if you want laptop chips for Ultrabooks that are super low power and efficient yeah we have new 10th generation chips available for you take them oh oh you want pro level chips for your iMac and your MacBook Pro sorry we're still on 9th generation for that you're gonna have to wait for 10th gen Mm -hmm. Um, and when you look at Apple's lineup right now it's very skewed Uh, the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro are running 10th gen chips but not the low end MacBook Pro that's still running an 8th gen chip but the 16-inch MacBook Pro is running a 9th gen chip, and I don't even know what the iMac is running on because they haven't updated <laughs> that in forever. It's just it's very frustrating as a customer because you know that Apple can make a great laptop or whatever, but they but Apple 
wants to wait for the newest possible chip for the for the <laughs> class of computer they want to ship. So now I can almost I, I bet we can almost expect once we start getting into this pattern of doing the silicon uh, that they're creating for their for their actual MacBook Pros and stuff, which I think they even gave the estimate it was like it's going to take about two years to fully get all their products over on. Yeah, that. so yeah, they're looking at their product roadmap. So it's like they know that the A14 architecture that's going to be able to we assume run a MacBook Air and maybe even a MacBook Pro very well and you'll be able to make a great laptop that performs amazing just by adding a fan mm-hmm. but if they want to make those really big desktop chips they know well our current architecture doesn't work but we're working with uh uh TC we're t- working with TSMC in Taiwan and we know what offerings they're going to have in 2 years and we believe that uh, using their new processes in two years uh, with whatever, let's say, five nanometer architecture. Uh, mm-hmm. And our plan, we'll be able to make an A15 or A16 chip uh, architecture that can scale from an iPhone all the way up to a, Ma- um, a Mac Pro is the rumor. We don't know what's happening to the Mac Pro yet. Like, I don't know if ARM, App- like ARM- Apple's ARM chips are two years ahead of everyone else's ARM chips. But I still don't know if they're going to be able to scale to a point where they are more efficient and more powerful than a Threadripper or a Xeon processor. I, I just don't know. Yeah, so I, I think they're going to hold off on adding them to the Mac Pro line. And then when they do, yeah. I suspect there's going to be... No, they've really made this hardware so modular for the Mac Pro. Do you think they're just going to try to integrate the CPU as like just another fucking little thing you can insert. yeah that's the other thing like well so the the cpu is replaceable on the mac pro but it's it's the least it's like the hardest to replace but it is replaceable so like i don't i don't know like how integrated the motherboard is but i think it would make a bigger difference to customers if apple said we're switching to amd for our pro machines if you want an imac pro or a mac pro we are giving you threadripper processors for maybe not forever but for they they commit to Threadripper for a certain amount of time because that is now the new workstation class chip that is getting the best results for a lot of people. Until they're ready to develop the hardware to support a, a an extremely, a much more evolved version of their silicon that they're going to be. If they pretty- think that the A16 architecture, because that would be with, yeah, so they're, yeah, they're A14 this year. So in two years, if they think the A16 architecture is going to be efficient enough that they can make a gigantic workstation class cpu with it then i don't know because the mac pro also like the mac pro has upgradable gpus in it too um but the big thing with the a series chips is they have really good integrated gpus for a mobile device that is Mm -hmm. uh i don't know if they're going to be able to make a gpu on an arm architecture that is more powerful than a top of the line amd uh creative based I think if they're going to GPU. be if if they if they're going to want this new silicon new silicon in the uh, Mac Pro, it's going to have to be a new Mac Pro in yeah. my opinion. And so someone found AMD chips in the Mac OS uh, like leaked code, so we know they've at least been testing AMD products at some point. But I, I as much as I would like for them to switch the Mac Pro to. Uh, Threadripper, I think it's easier for them because at some point they do need to offer new CPUs on that. Like the GPUs and everything, they can just refresh the website and say, we have new GPUs available for the Mac Pro if you want to buy them uh, and pop them into your system. At some point, though, they're going to need to update the processor, the CPU. And I don't know if that platform is currently capable of actually swapping out the Intel chip for an AMD chip or if they need to... If if they just need to keep releasing Xeons for the if they if they need to keep updating the Xeons uh, chips in the Mac Pro until they're ready to switch to ARM because I because I don't know what the mother I don't know what the motherboard on that computer looks like and if it's just you have to take out the into, if if you do a chip replacement you take the motherboard out too or if they designed it where the motherboard stays but a new chip can slide in we we just don't know how it's yeah. built or at least I don't something. Nothing feels less Apple to me than taking out the fucking motherboard. Like they, <laughs> I don't yeah. think they're gonna have their users doing that. I have a feeling the Mac Pro. The intention was that buy the Mac Pro when you think it's getting slow, get new GPU. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they presumed anyone would be replacing the CPU until they literally replace the whole fucking thing. Yeah. So yeah, if they do do any CPU replacements, <laughs> I am Do-do. curious as 
<laughs> if they do do a CPU upgrade and they have to at some point within the year, um, the yeah before I think before the ARM update happens, they have to do at least one CPU refreshment. I don't know if that's going to be a thing that users can do or if they have to buy a new case for their Mac Pro and then put their GPUs in that they mm-hmm. already have into it. But yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's very interesting to see, but I, I am very excited because uh, Apple's ARM chips are very cool, and I think an ARM laptop is very compelling, uh, but I am more interested in seeing what those desktop class chips look like and how many cores they can shove in there and yeah. how efficient they are. When They're giving developers a lot of time to do the upgrade right now. Uh, it's like $500. You make your case as to why you need a dev kit, and they send you a Mac Mini with an A12Z processor, which is the same chip in my iPad Pro, but with a GPU core turned on. Um, they It's the same chip, 16 gigs of RAM, half a terabyte of storage. That's the dev kit. I'm very curious to see what devs who get these dev kits uh, actually say about them. I, I'm I'm curious to see what the Apple of the Appleness of a fully Apple created system will be because the Appleness of the iPad Pro was just that it was fucking insane. It was so it's so fast, has that high refresh rate. App, there's no fucking lag. I want to see that in Mac OS because I've always imagined what Mac OS would be like, but as fast as an iPad Pro and that that I Jesus I'm just I'm just getting I'm just getting moist thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very exciting. I was very satisfied. By the way, what do you think of like the showmanship of the of the digital the of the digital presentation? I'm I'm so happy we're at this section. So, it should be said that watching these conferences is typically my least favorite uh, thing to do just because it always feels like at the end of them the verge writes an article and you're like oh well i could have just fucking read this <laughs> you know like it's it's essentially like the main points and and the takeaways anyways and what you're watching it for is like the bad dad jokes and and people awkwardly walking on and off stage but with this uh, first off it was pre-recorded entirely uh, secondly it was it was directed like a fucking documentary like interview style everyone would would kind of show up in in a lone just fucking expensive looking ass room and with amazing lighting and and just great it great framing and it just it it was it was great it it was a show dude it was it was like a it was a fucking live show i enjoyed it a lot and i i honestly hope they do it like this every year yeah the uh there there is a value in doing those like hands-on workshops uh yeah so like wwc is not just apple does a conference and then everyone leaves it is a whole week in uh san francisco or yeah san francisco i believe uh where they get all these they get thousands of developers to show up and then after the conference they do like very hands-on techie workshops uh, some of the workshops they put online, but this year they're doing the entire thing online only, and it's available for free for everyone. So if you are a developer, you can download the developer's app on the iPad or your Mac, and you can watch all of these workshops, and you can update your app and get ready for the new architecture. But doing a digital presentation, there is still a value in that, and over doing the in-person thing, like I would very much like it if WWDC was just... They still had thousands of people go to san francisco for the conference but they then released the presentation online and you know everyone who attended could get into the auditorium if they wanted to watch it or they could just stay in their hotel room and wait for the workshops like yeah i think if you're a developer the, the there's a lot of value in those workshops but but like for the actual like specific event not not the event but the the presentation itself where we talk about these new features i just think you should pre-record it just pre-record it man it's so it was so cool yeah, pre-record the keynote, but obviously, you know, keep going to Sam, keep doing the uh, the big in-person event for the people who need it. So yeah, I think that's basically everything. Uh, yeah, we didn't really yeah. talk too much. They did they did a bit of uh, they they integrated like in inline replies and stuff via message. They talked a lot about security, but essentially, what what this could have been this entire presentation is essentially: Do you want to convert to iOS? <laughs> Like, are you an Android user who's tired and wants to convert to something better? Watch this we presentation. We have the features you want now. We don't have Bixby. We have Siri, but she's fine. Siri, it, it, you know what? It, at least Siri ain't Bixby. That's what I'll say. Bixby's at the fucking bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, pretty good, pretty good show and pretty good podcast if I do say so myself. 
So next week we are going to do uh, Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. You can find it on Netflix. Watch it. It's a Spike Lee joint. You know, it's going to be good. You're going to like it. You're going to learn something. If you want to get get ready to get cultured by the uh, shortest, uh, most into basketball man I've ever I've ever known, Spike. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of like ratio of like height discrepancy to caring about basketball, Spike Lee has to be the guy who wins. Like the only people who are like more into basketball who are also short are children. <laughs> That's you know what like I, I'm thinking and yeah I I think you're spot on with that I I don't think that's a I don't even think that's a bad take I think that's the best take I've heard all week <laughs> the only people I want that on a shirt the the only people more short and into basketball than Spike Lee are children uh, it up so yeah <laughs> uh yeah watch that movie on Netflix and uh, we will see you guys next week.